trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Welcome to Trauma Healing Learning 13, Nutritional Response Testing for Trauma Healing and SCI with Dr. Marianne Lay. In this Trauma Healing Learning, we will explore the physical and psychological and mental health benefits of allowing our bodies to guide us with what they need for healing using the technique of nutritional response testing, which I refer to as muscle response testing. We'll be hearing from Dr. Mary Ann Lay, a chiropractor by background who has been part of the chiropractic community since 1992. She received her BS degree in physical education and corporate wellness from the University of Florida and went on to the Cleveland Chiropractic College in Kansas City where she achieved her doctorate degree in chiropractic medicine. She is also a trained massage therapist and a trained Chinese herbalist. Dr. Lei combines her chiropractic work with nutrition, dry needling, therapeutic techniques, supplements and herbs, massage, and more, creating an approach to the practice completely unique to her. She is also a faith-based practitioner who truly believes our bodies have the innate ability to heal themselves when given the proper, personalized treatment. After Archer's accident, I myself went to see Dr. Lay, who used nutritional response testing to body scan me and all my organs. What came up was surprisingly accurate and also surprisingly new. As I learned about the emotional experience of trauma and its impact on the body and our organs. You will also hear something else that may be a surprise too, as I opened a satchel carrying a gift that actually distressed me. Listen in to learn another application of muscle response testing and be inspired to hear how seeing a practitioner of nutritional response testing can benefit you during times of hardship and stress, in addition to the benefits to your regular day-to-day life. So settle in. Take a deep breath. Settle your body. Allow your soul to dance and anticipate new insights for yourself. Here we go. Welcome to Trauma Healing Learning 13, Nutritional Response Testing for Trauma Healing and SCI with Dr. Marianne Lay. I am blessed to introduce you to Dr. Mary Ann Lay. Dr. Lay is a chiropractor and owner of Achieve Wellness. 
She is also a nutrition response test practitioner, and she is a part of my wellness circle and was with me on the Archer journey, helping to keep me intact so I could care for Archer and my family. So I am very pleased and thrilled to have Dr. Lay with us today. Welcome. I'm honored to be here with you. To look back seven years ago to a time of great distress. But before we do that, could you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about you, you and your practice? Sure. So I've been in practice as a chiropractor for 31 years. I've always been in the healing arts, started out as a acupuncturist and as a massage therapist. And so I just went to chiropractic school. So I've always been interested in helping people heal in one fashion or another. And it's been an interesting journey. It's been a nice ride. I've had my own practice for the last 20 years. And it's my pleasure to help people as much as possible in so many different ways. So I have a husband and three children. They're grown. And I have a, a new grandbaby. And I love what I do. So when people ask me if I'm going to retire anytime soon, my husband did last year or two years ago, I say no, because I, why would I retire from something I really love doing? And that's really my passion is to interact with people as much as possible and spread the, the good news about how your body can heal itself. Your journey from acupuncture to massage therapy to chiropractic, and I also want to talk with you about muscle response testing, it's mm -hmm. been about the body as right. in many, many ways that the body can heal or nutrition testing. You know, I, I've called it muscle response testing. Right. It's nutrition response testing, and it is a form of muscle testing. So you're right. It's applied kinesiology. A lot of different forms. It started many years ago and people have taken off with it and done a lot of different things with it. So I use the trademark nutrition response testing protocols. There are a few of us around the country and we all do pretty much the same thing. It's an art, so you can add different things to it. And I incorporate other things in my practice as well. So it's not just that, but it's basically mostly that when I do nutrition response testing, it's very fascinating. Before getting into some of those fascinating aspects, let's go back to some of you and your background in chiropractic. What mm -hmm. took you down the path of choosing to become a chiropractor when you started as an acupuncturist and then became a massage therapist? What made you move into chiropractic? So the funny thing is, it was my husband because he suggested that I go to chiropractic school. I was always interested in the body and it wasn't enough to be an acupuncturist and a massage therapist to me. I wanted to do more. I want to learn more. You know, that's what we're all about, growing, learning, moving forward. And so that was an opportunity where we lived in Kansas City. There was a school and it was very, it was an opportune time. So I have to say he recommended it, thought I could, you know, benefit by doing that and engaging in the coursework. And I thought, hmm, okay. So I loved it. 37 years ago, I decided to go into chiropractic school. And, you know, I haven't looked back. I think it's a great profession. I think it's fantastic to be in this health realm and we do the best we can to help as many people as possible. And it's not just about pain. There are other things too that, you know, people don't understand really how chiropractic works, but I think it's something to look into 
I'm very comfortable doing what I do with chiropractic and incorporating the other techniques that I use in the practice. So for me, it's second nature now and it's fun. It's fun to do what I do. What do you think people don't understand about chiropractic and what would be important for them to understand? Yeah. So for chiropractic people, they're mostly afraid because they're not familiar with it. And there have been, you know, negative connotations associated with chiropractic in the past. People just don't understand what it is. And it is a natural method of healing. It's an alternative to drugs and surgery. So it does take a little bit longer. People are impatient. They want things quicker and they want easy steps and they want maybe a one pill solution. And that's not what it is. Chiropractic takes time. It's not just a one adjustment and you're better. I need to let people understand that bodies are really beat up. They've, you know, they've been through a lot in the past, you know, 20 years with environmental toxins and the things that we're, we're not eating and the things that we are eating. And so it's not as simple as just adjusting somebody, which is the term for the correction that we do with the body. That's one misconception. People think that it takes too long. The final thing again is the negative rap that's gotten over the years from the medical profession, really. So the, the part about people being impatient, possibly, or thinking that it takes too long, what are the benefits for them to know about a gradual process of yeah. being adjusted? A gradual process in healing. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, how long did it take to get a person in the condition that they're in? You know, you have to consider that it didn't happen overnight, so it's not going to be fixed overnight. So I think it's the process. The process is uh, being patient, allowing your body the ability to heal, giving it what it needs, water, air, sleep, food, you know, the good things, and then allowing the body to do what it needs to do. The body innately knows how to heal itself. That's the big problem that people don't understand that your body does have the capacity to heal. Yeah, bodies do have the capacity to heal. How does chiropractic strengthen the body? And what is it that you're actually doing over time to help the body heal? So the chiropractic adjustment is an application of a force. It's a low force technique in my situation because I use a method called activator methods. It's high velocity, which is high speed, but low force, which is very comfortable for people. And most people, they're afraid of the adjustment. But in this case, there's nothing to be afraid of because it's a very gentle tool and gentle application of the adjustment that we use. So people, anybody can benefit from it and it doesn't hurt. So I can adjust a baby or, you know, a 95 year old in a different way using the same tool, but on a different setting. So the way that chiropractic works is it removes interferences from the body, and that's through the adjustment. And it, without getting too detailed about the nervous system, the nervous system has the ability to coordinate and control all functions of the body. So all organ glands and tissues are controlled by the nervous system. So if we remove or facilitate that ease of movement in the spine, your body can have the ability to heal itself. And so that means that the muscles relax, the nutrition goes into the joint, inflammation gets reduced, pain signals get interrupted, that allows it to heal like it was intended to heal. So there's something about this gentle force that allows the body to actually relax so yeah. that the things that the body was intended to do naturally can happen. That's exactly right. 
yeah, relaxing is really part of it, you know, so there are a lot of different tools that chiropractors use to get the body to relax first. That's the art of chiropractic. Chiropractic is a science, a philosophy, and an art. So the art form is different with every practitioner. You're not going to get the same thing in every, every office that you go to. A science, a philosophy, and an art. Yeah. It sounds like mindfulness. Yes, but you know, there's some things that you don't have to believe in chiropractic for it to work, just like you don't have to believe in gravity or know how the electricity in your wall works for it to work. That's what we say about transformative mediation. Yeah, it's transformative, but we just apply what we, you know, in this case with the activator method, I find the specific areas that are not moving right. Okay, so there's aberrant motion, there's inflammation, there's joint swelling, there's pain in an area. And those are all the things that indicate that there's a problem with that joint. So when we remove the interference from that joint, it allows a free flow of energy and allows the body to go back to homeostasis. You know, it knows what to do. It goes back to using the innate ability to heal. It's just amazing. And that's the philosophy, right? The body has the innate intelligence. thinking about what you said about how you've adjusted even a baby or an elderly person. Tell us about adjusting a baby. Well, a lot of people don't think that babies need help because they're so new, right? To this planet. And that's really far from the truth. Birth is traumatic or can be a traumatic event for an individual, a baby. And so many times people are not aware that there's uh, something like torticollis, which is a rind neck or stiff neck, muscles are in contraction in the neck, and the baby can't turn its head. So that's one example of a baby needing an adjustment. It's just part of the philosophy that we apply what we know as early as possible and allow the spine to, again, remove the interferences from birth trauma if there was anything and then allow the body to heal itself. It's very, very subtle, very gentle. It doesn't hurt. It's not shocking or, you know, weird, or it might be weird to some people because they, they don't realize that babies need adjust. If you have a spine, you, you can use an adjustment. You know, you're reminding me, I met a priest in Minnesota many years ago, maybe 25 or more years mm-hmm. ago. He was a Jesuit. And one of the things that he did for a number of villages. Um, He was working in Mexico and then came up into the States was to talk with mothers about how they could talk with their very young children about their birth stories uh, because Mm -hmm. there were so many births that were unassisted and there was so much trauma that young babies experience, not just because the birthing experience itself, you know, winding your way down, you know, the birthing canal is traumatic for the tiny little body, Mm -hmm. but because of things that actually went wrong without having the support of a doula or a practitioner or someone bedside. I'm just fascinated. I always have been by that. I asked my own children when they were just after they were verbal, but not much, you know, like around three, four years of age, if they remembered coming out of mommy's body. And it really, 
extraordinary what children will recall in their stories. And it was through this priest experience, helping many, many mothers be able to have that intimacy, reconnecting them to their babies. That was part of the healing experience there. But here you are as a chiropractor in a number of ways, doing something that's all similar, believing that the body can restore itself. And in this case, though, through the love and reconnection with the mother, but with an adjustment when there actually has been physical trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by what you just said, and I'd love to hear what your children's responses were at some point down the road. But I think, yeah, people don't realize that there is, and it's just lovely to have a newborn, you know, just to hold a newborn and to be able to, the life force that is in them already to balance it, because sometimes it is out of balance. And that's why we check all If I had my brothers, I would be checking all newborns, right? Mm -hmm. Just so that their spine is where it needs to be. And it's a very interesting topic. People don't realize that, you know, babies can be adjusted. Oh, how horrible it can be. You know, why would they need that? Say a baby is, uh, for instance, colicky. We oftentimes hear that term. Could an adjustment help a colicky baby? That's my favorite one. (laughs) Why is that? Because it works so well. Usually it's just a thoracic spine out of alignment, but, you know, very, very subtle, very basic adjustment using the tool, you know, or even your finger, just one finger is all it takes to adjust the baby, as you might imagine how sensitive you need to be. And also just so, you know, light touch is what the key is. I adjusted my son from, I mean, he had colic and he got adjusted and a few treatments. He was much better. There are things to consider other than just get an adjustment, but like maybe change the, what the mother is eating or consuming or what they're being fed, you know, the the baby's being fed. So, but this is, you know, part of the whole process of the chiropractic experience in my office. Anyway, it's a holistic experience. So we don't just adjust somebody without asking specific questions about their history, their hobbies, their, you know, bowel movements their sleep habits, all that. It's part of the whole process. Well, I want to ask you about these other methodologies that you rely upon, but before that, I will, because it's so juicy, I'll share with you at least one of my children's birth stories. And it was our son, Pete. And the reason I remember it so vividly is because the idea is to talk to a child when they're very relaxed and calm, you know, they may have just had a bath before you put them to bed and you know, you're kind of snuggly and you're connected and having a little conversation with this little, you know, three or four-year-old before they have the ability to sort of create a lot of stories. And when I ask our son, Pete, if he remembers coming into the world and coming out of my body, he was very quiet and he didn't respond at all. And I was taught by this priest, that's perfectly fine. Just give them a kiss and a hug and do your normal routine. And then at a time that you feel is appropriate, bring it up again. So I did, I don't remember if it was the next night or two, but it was very close proximity. And when I asked him again, he said, he, in his little sweet little voice goes, it was a loud pop mama. A loud, it was so loud. 
so loud, Mama. Oh and my! So bright. He broke wow. his clavicle. Pushed too hard. Oh gosh! His clavicle. Wow. Yeah. Oh my. You know what? That's such a loving and really interesting story. And the fact that you're so, I mean, you're so in touch with even little people, you know, at that point to ask that question, because so many parents, I think, are just out of touch. They're just doing perfunctory things. And I think this is really beautiful to, to go back and find something that's so special and so, so true. It's just fascinating. Well, with all the different modalities, Marianne, that you have had and you do have in your practice, and I have, I've seen you work many of them, you know, you're like a, a wizard with the knowledge that you have of the body. I'd love to find out more about muscle response testing, but specifically what you do with nutritional response testing, why you do it, how it works, and if that has a place for people who have had a traumatic experience. So nutrition response testing, like I said before, is just one of the methods that people use to apply kinesiology, which is the application of movement of the body. So applied kinesiology is the term. And then there are a lot of different techniques that have come out of applied kinesiology. So the one that I use is nutrition response testing. What we do with the nutrition is we actually first use a neurological reflex, which would be in this case, more than likely in everybody's case, it would be a shoulder, a muscle in the shoulder, and it's a reflex point. It's a neurological reflex, just like a reflex. We would use the reflex hammer. You can't control it. So the same thing happens at that reflex in the shoulder. shoulder. The reflex hammer that hits your knee and your, and your right. leg pops up. Yeah. Right. We have neurological reflexes in, throughout our body. So this is something that you can't control, right? It's in the shoulder and we use that. That's just my take, the technique that I use. You can use other, other reflexes and fingers, legs, whatever. An indicator muscle is what we, we try to, to use the shoulder as an indicator muscle. We identify weaknesses in the body. So we scan the body with the other hand and then we use the muscle, the indicator muscle to identify any weaknesses or any areas that aren't moving like they're supposed to with energy flow. So the arm would go weak if I touched an area or go over an area that's not having a lot of energy or is, let's say, tired, okay? And then it would go strong over an area that's doing just fine and the energy is in that joint or that organ system. So we're looking for weaknesses in that arm as we scan the body. To get a visual on this, your patient puts out their arm because you're looking at the shoulder as being right. the muscle that you're focused on. And mm -hmm. you're doing what with your hands as you're scanning? I'm pressing on the forearm or the wrist area. And what's their arm doing? They're matching my pressure. That's my mantra, match my pressure. So they match my pressure. If I push down, you know, just a little tiny bit, they should be pushing up to match that pressure a little tiny bit. If I push down a lot, they should push up a lot. That's how we identify, you know, okay, now we're balanced. Now you understand how much pressure I'm putting and how much you should be giving back. 
it's just a little bit of practice. You know, people get it right away. I remember when you taught me, I was yeah. fascinated by it because I was afraid to like push too hard because I didn't right. want to, you know, be aggressive. <laughs> and you're like, no, push. Like, and you really pushed down. I really pushed up because it was a straight lock. And you're like, right. that, that's what I'm looking for. I was like, wow, okay. Yes, you remember that. And yeah, it has nothing to do with strength in the muscle itself. So it's again, it's a reflex. So we can check any part of the body. But then what we do is we identify what are the common causes. You know, everything has a cause. So you're identifying parts of the body because while you're looking for this lock in the arm with your other hand, you're touching all different parts of different organs. Exactly. I remember you would touch, you know, like the top of my head, you know, my, my scalp, my cranium, all the way to my heart, my, my lungs, my, my spleen, my liver. And you would just touch each one of them very briefly, seeing if my arm could hold the lock. Because as soon as you got to one that my arm would do what? A patient's arm would do what when you knew that the organ was would, weak? Would fall down, would go weak. Because you're pushing on it. So with one hand, you're touching the part of the organ so on the top mm -hmm. of their skin. And on the other hand, you're applying pressure to their arm. So and if you're not able to sustain that pressure, the arm will go weak, what we call, you know, an unlocked muscle. So when you found that there is an unlocked muscle, then you were going to explain. Then we have to find out why. <laughs> and so the why, you know, there are many different reasons why, but when it was strong a minute ago and now it's not that, oh, I'm tired now. <laughs> That's not the case. People think that, but it, we repeat it and it works. The five most common reasons, actually six, are heavy metal toxicity in the body, immune challenges, any kind of immune challenge, anything, food sensitivities, or really sensitivities, not necessarily allergies, scars that can also affect people. There's a lot of that information on scar therapy and how to heal your body, working with scars and toxic chemicals. And then I said six, so there's a new one and that's electromagnetic frequencies. So that's things that are around us in our environment, but we don't really realize that they're affecting us. Emitted from our computers, our phones, our refrigerators, exactly. our microwaves. Yep. All that. And some people are really sensitive to those frequencies and other people aren't sensitive. So if you are sensitive, you'll know, we'll find it, or people already know, like every time I walk into this building, you know, I don't feel good. Or if I'm in front of my computer too long, I get headaches or I get irritable or I break out in rashes or, you know, weird things. So those are all plausible. And we identify that as one of the, the barriers to healing. And so identifying that as you're going through each of the organs, looking for what would be in one of these six categories, how is it that you determine those six categories for the particular organ that showed up as needing support? Right. So we have little vials that have the frequency or the energy of what it is that we're testing in the vials. So if I said immune challenge, we don't really have a bacteria sample in the vials. It's just the imprint of that 
frequency of what bacteria that we're testing would be. That's something maybe people won't, wouldn't understand, but in any case, we're looking for a response. So if your arm goes weak and then we put something on your body that makes it go strong, then we know there's a reaction because your body is electric. Your body has energy. We are energetic beings and we react to our environment. Whether we know it or not, everything affects us. Some you know, people are more sensitive and they know what affects them. Other people are not sensitive at all and they have no idea. I love learning that from you. It was really new for me. And I began seeing you before I turned 50 as part of thinking that you would be helpful for my husband when he turned 50. And in order for me to convince him to think about seeing you, I thought I better go. So it was quite some time ago. And learning that not only are we full of energy, I could, I got that, you know, and I'm full of electricity and And you are, are. but you especially Louise. (laughs) Oh, well, but we, but we learned, you know, you taught me how everything has an energy field and, you know, around it and how anything we hold, you know, that there's like a, what'd you tell me? I believe it was like eight inches or something. There's an energy. Well, our energy field actually goes out to like seven feet but some people only have a few inches. It's mostly between 18 inches and three feet, but there are people who have, you know, we call it the auras, you know, there's just energy that's beyond even, you know, understanding. <laughs> so, and that is affected. It's, a, it's definitely affected. We are energized, charged particles. We are a frequency and we resonate with frequencies. And that's the whole part of it too. We're resonating with the vials energy, right? And if something is changed in that reaction, we know that there's a response there that we need to address. We need to look into it. I'm just crazy about this. As you said, you don't have to believe it. This fact about energy and how, for me, it's that we together and then collectively, lots of we's can create a whole energy field. That's so true. I mean, there are a lot of studies that even show that. So it's very, very true that we can affect other people, which is why you always want to be positive, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't there that scientist, that uh, Japanese scientist who did the polluted water tests? I think he may have been one of the early scientists who, you know, put this out, a journal article about it, that people who are focused on something collectively together And in this case, it was focused on changing the makeup of polluted water to clear, beautiful, potable drinking water in a just a putrefied lake that over Mm -hmm. time they found Mm -hmm. under the microscope, you know, these crystals that you'll see in water that is getting clearer and clearer, you know, beginning to form over time with this group of people regularly coming to focus and then also to pray, but in a focused kind of way. And that meant the world to me with what happened in Archer experience. And I think you were very much in your practice that was, you know, I, I never saw you for chiropractic per se, but what I had learned from you through nutritional response testing really cast the die for me, I think. And what I, I knew, I believed, but I also then knew was scientifically so. And I thank you for that.
Oh my gosh. You know what? I was just really happy to be a part of your healing journey. And you're just one of the strongest, most courageous women I know. So I was really happy to be that you allowed me, you know, the ability to try to help ameliorate some of the pain and the trauma that you went through too. That was the tragic stuff. I mean, it's really hard because a lot of people, they take it in and they don't express themselves and they harbor resentment and ill feelings and, and they just suppress it. Right. And they don't share. And I think with you, you were able to open up and immediately and share your experience and everything that you were going through. No, well, maybe not everything, but you know, I, I got a feeling, a good feeling about where you were and what you needed. And so you know, we just allowed the body to tell us what you needed, really. I just listened to your body. I asked the questions and we got the responses. Well, that is amazing that you would say that because I remember very clearly when we were at the Shepherd Center and I had been there for maybe a week or two. And I knew I, I really needed to come home to see Dutch, to see our youngest son. I mean, my heart was aching. He was only 12 years old at the time to be away from him for so long. And I also knew that if I came home, I needed to see you. And I thought, I'm going to go home. I'm going to see Dutch. I will go see my hairdresser to cut my hair. And then I will zip over and see Marianne because you had been helping me for years with the supplements that I needed for my body doing the nutritional response testing. I would like to review with you or ask you if you have any memory of what it was that we did. If you do remember when I came to visit you in those very distressing early, early days, early weeks of Archer's injury. Having just come from my hairdresser and I arrived with a satchel of a number of gifts that she had given me. I don't know oh, yeah. remember that. Do you remember? Yes. So all right, what do you remember about it? You pulled out a little, a little Buddha. There was a little Buddha, a little green. Like a good luck charm. Some, yeah, yeah, like a good luck charm. And she had given me a number of different types of crystals. There was mm -hmm. a white crystal, an amethyst crystal, and I think a blue, a lapis luzi, which I, I always have liked. I think she had a couple of beads. Because I knew about energy and I would oftentimes come see you maybe, you know, monthly. And I would also bring like, the shampoo I was using, or I got a new cream for right. my face, or I was getting, you know, I was going to spray myself with some yeah. suntan lotion. I'd bring it to you and we'd muscle response <laughs> test it, right? right. We'd muscle test it, body, right. My body liked it. And, and we'd find out most of the things my body was fine with. And some things my body was not fine with at all, mm -hmm. even though it said, you know, on the front of it, organic. <laughs> That's right. So that was super helpful. So I arrive right with this stuff which had nothing to do with my coming to see you. And I remember you said, I want to give you this. I said, what is it? You said, it's ashwagandha. And you said, here. And you, you said, and you put out your arm 
And then you told me to put out my hand. I did. And you put the bottle of ashwagandha in my hand and we had a really strong lock. And I said, wow, what is that? Because I'd never heard of it before. And you said, this is for I a, said, a broken heart. Yeah. You know, it's an adaptogenic herb that can be used to facilitate this adrenal response. Whether you need more or less, the body will take that herb will be used by your body to bring your body to a homeostasis, to balance. So it's just a great herb. It's great for stress. And I felt you needed it at the time and your body did respond well to it. So it did. <laughs> I think, I was I think so you went for it. Appreciative because <laughs> you had done that scan mm -hmm. and I came up with my heart being really weakened, needing support and my adrenal glands. Doesn't oh, that make sense? <laughs> totally. It made sense, but I, it didn't at the time relative to my adrenal glands, because I was not astute about adrenals seven years ago in the way that I am now. And again, you opened my eyes that day. I remember saying, what are my adrenal glands? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And maybe you could just give her a little review because it's so related yeah, so for everyone. So true. So the adrenal glands produce your cortisol and your sex hormones. And they're like little tiny glands that sit on top of the kidney on either side of your body. And they have a lot of work to do. So when you're under a stress response, your, your adrenals can be, well, they become tired and then your body has to deal with that fatigue, but it also keeps you from going, well, the pathway to make adrenaline and to make sex hormones comes from the adrenal glands and you need cholesterol, believe it or not, to do that, which is another subject about the need for cholesterol in your body. And it's not a bad thing, but anyway, so the adrenal glands actually function to keep you in balance with being able to sleep, being able to have that fight or flight response and to temper it because you could be in a hyper or sympathetic mode and be agitated and, you know, like a lot of people are, they live in a, in a high sympathetic state. So the adrenal glands are constantly producing and pumping out adrenaline. And so that could be a problem for a lot of people, as you might realize. And so when we tested those adrenal glands, you were weak. I don't remember exactly, you know, which side or both or whatever, but you know, one of the adaptogenic herbs that helps the adrenals to function normally or to balance themselves. It was ashwagandha. That was just one herb and your body responded really well. And that's why we gave it to you. So if it didn't respond well with the muscle testing, we wouldn't give it to you, even though it's a great herb and other people love it and it's organic and it's whatever from a great store, you know, or it's very specific. So that's the nutrition response testing protocols. If it doesn't work for you or your body doesn't test positive or test strong, it's not going to be for you. That was such a huge awakening for me, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what it was labeled or how beautiful it was or how great it looked or right. was touted, or as you said, the quality of the store being, you know, just impeccable. 
If your body doesn't like something, it doesn't like something. And it knows it because of the, my understanding of this is your body can only fight off well, one thing at a time. And if it's been in this, as I was, I, I'm sure I showed up like fear in the headlights. I was on, I would say hyper alert at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ICUs constantly and not sleeping very much. And Archer had taken another dip at the time when I came to see you, but how the adrenals, our adrenals need so much support. They're there to help you. Yes. To keep you in that heightened response so that you can function. Right. right? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, to be in a heightened response is a good thing. It's your body saying, you know, we're keeping you alive or you're yes. going to keep somebody else alive kind of thing. Right. Yeah. If it's constant, it takes its right. Out. That's exactly right. The constant barrage of hormones and adrenaline. That's not what gets your body well. Eventually it will break down, right? You can't sustain that heightened response for very long. In fact, I'm wondering what other symptoms do you see that are trauma-related symptoms in your practice? So if you're talking about physical trauma, there's emotional, you know, mental, physical trauma. So people suppress things. And I think all chronic disease has an emotional component. Suppressed feelings. Okay. So people that don't express themselves or don't have the ability to, or don't know how to, or, you know, for whatever reason, they suppress those symptoms. And that really can lead to chronic conditions, chronic disease. We know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we're learning more and mm -hmm. more every year about this, where it's not so far-fetched or woo woo or way out of, you know, the no. orbit. It's not in the mainstream yet, but it's moving in a number of different pathways for people to begin to have that knowledge. There's PTSD that people connect with and they understand that, right? Post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress, right. So when the body's in a constant stress response and it has trauma, it goes from frontal brain capacity from thinking clearly to more of an emotional response. And it's a different part of the brain that takes over, like with chronic pain, for example, or chronic stress, it's a different part of the brain, amygdala. And that's the emotional center and your body actually then becomes irritable and unable to function you know, normally, like what we call normal. this chronic pain has a whole life of its own. So I say chronic pain, but chronic anything, chronic, something that's negative to your body. So I think with trauma, I definitely recommend different things, different techniques for people when they come in to see me and they've had trauma, but for the most part, you know, chiropractic can help with physical trauma, like falls and car accidents. And like I said before, the birth trauma, sports injuries, those are all traumatic events that we deal with on a daily basis. 
but when people have emotional trauma or you know mental abuse or whatever it may be that becomes more difficult to handle and so we need to recognize that that can be part of this person's healing process and it's not something that i may be able to help them with but i recognize it so i can lead them in the right direction so like emotional freedom technique is something that's free and easy it may work it does work pretty well but you know not for everybody there's different ways to deal with trauma and so we do the best we can i remember using a couple of those methods that i could do for myself in the hospital and just with tapping i was getting really worked up or i was beginning to catastrophize Archer's future. I could just feel it in my body. I was so grateful that I, over the years, had developed some body awareness. Again, <laughs> wonderful people in my path from whom I've learned things that I just would never have learned if I had just stayed in very traditional pathways. But deviating off even just a little bit, let alone a lot of bit, to learn about the body <laughs> as you did. But you know, this is also just reminding me with trauma and how I presented to you and going back to that time in 2015, when I arrived with the little Buddha and all the crystals and <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but I knew that my body <laughs> would tell me <laughs> if they were good for me. Right. Well, the thing is, you can identify things like that, but whether you want to accept it, that's another thing, right? Some people don't want that to be true. Oh, I don't really, let's do that again. <laughs> well, I've, I've had that too. There actually was a shampoo I really loved. I don't know. You probably wouldn't remember that. But anyway, my body didn't like it. I'm like, no way. I've been using that for years. I love that stuff. You know, like, Louise, you right. can do whatever you want, but your body doesn't like it. <laughs> You can listen or not. One of the, I meant to tell you this, so this is years later. And, but what showed up in our work together was around the metal toxicity. Mm -hmm. And my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and then progressed and now has late Alzheimer's. She is still a remarkable woman, but all my siblings and I have really gone to walk that path. But the point of that being that one of the things I learn about Alzheimer's that can be a, a, a marker that can exacerbate any gene that you might be carrying that might therefore be sort of set off to start early Alzheimer's is metal in your body. And so I remember you telling me that there was something in my environment and we went and I, it was over the course of a, a few times, there was always like this metal. I remember looking around like where I work, the room I was in, I could never identify it. I had three fillings. I had them all removed because of this article that I read about dementia and Alzheimer's. And I bet if we did a muscle response test for me right now, I would be in much better shape. My dentist 
didn't want to do it. He said, Louise, come on, you're really, you're going a little too far. You got these, these are fine. They're like, I don't wiggle around. Well, one of them on the underside, he said, you know what? I got to give it to you. This one is totally breaking down and you probably have had yeah. a little, little leakage. I oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just really grateful to get those old silver fillings out of my body. Silver, mercury, nickel. Yeah, mercury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you have to look forward to now is <laughs> that the composite that they replace the metal fillings with, that can also, because the mercury, the amalgam, weakens the tooth you can develop cracks down the road so just be aware that it's very hard on the teeth and removing them can cause other problems down the road but it's a good thing that you did if you did it the right way because they can also it could be toxic to remove yes you had to do it put liners all around and yeah uh, You know, you do regenerate. Your body does have the ability to, you know, make new cells. And I really love that promise that we know that every 120 days you have new red blood cells and every two days you have a new macula. Every six weeks you have a new gut lining. I mean, it's just amazing how the body heals like that. So, you know, you're not stuck with what you have. Your body regenerates. Love that. It's so hopeful. Yeah, it's hopeful. um, And it also is very empowering because we can get out of our own way if we allow the body to do what it was naturally intended to do, which is keep us alive. That's exactly right. We just have to give it what it needs, right? Remove the interferences, (laughs) give the body what it needs, right? The right air, food, water, and sleep. Marianne, that is exactly what I remember saying to you, like about that satchel of stuff. I'm like, Marianne, I was flying back to Atlanta. I was coming home for just hours. And I said, I'm going back. I can't have any barriers. I can't, I can't take, I can't have anything in Archer's room. That's a barrier. And because these gifts have been given to me lovingly, you know, I, I love my hairdresser. And I knew that she gave them to me with every beautiful, good intention. Sure. So you said, all right, because we are finished. Lie back down. And I, and I lay back down and you said, okay, open it up. And so we did one by one and, you know, strong lock, strong lock. And then we got to the, the laughing Buddha and I had such a, I, I could not get a lock. And then you showed me what it was. And I'm like, no way. That's the one. I just didn't feel very good about it. I don't know. No way. And then I was like, I don't believe it. So you said, all right. And you got a bowl and you said, you know, close your eyes and you put one thing at a time in the bowl because of, again, the energy field and by George, if it didn't happen again, do you remember that? I do remember that, but you have a really good memory. Of course so appropriate (laughs) that you would remember such you know that particular thing incredible but then you did something extraordinary that I once again I never knew the power of this you took out your pencil and you wrote something down 
on a piece of paper and you ripped it off and you lay it on my chest and had the Buddha and it was very weak and you set it aside and you put this on my chest and you said, put out your arm. It was so strong. And I said, what did you just do? And you were just like, you were so Marianne. Well, yeah, here it is. And I picked it up and you held it in front of me, this little piece of paper. Do you remember what you had written on the piece of paper? I really don't remember. Mother Mary. Wow. It was. It was a big wow. Mm. And you knew my devotion to the Mother Mary. Mm. And I just, I'll never forget that. It was just so incredible to me. Because the power of words, the power of thoughts, the power of, you know, healing and the power of Mother Mary, right? (laughs) It just spoke for itself. Yeah, I guess it is just the energetic power of words. Yeah, it's all quantum physics. It's quantum nutrition. You don't have to even be in the same room to have an effect, like you said, right? We can test people on other parts of the planet, on other parts of the earth. They don't have to be right in front of me. Explain that, how they don't have to, you, a body worker, people don't have to actually be physically. No, because it's your intent. It's with intention that you muscle test. So we use indirect testers. So an indirect tester would be somebody else who is otherwise healthy. Their energy is flowing freely, like it's supposed to be. So we have to make sure that person is, if I'm using an indirect tester, you know, same thing. It's either the written word or it's even the thought, you know, just with intention. You can test somebody. It's, it's just fascinating. You know, Marianne, this reminds me of months after many months, many, many months, maybe even going into the year after Archer had been injured And you offered the most incredible kindness to come and help Archer or to muscle response, nutritional response testing. Mm -hmm. And you use me. And I think that might be what you were just talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Can you explain how you did that and what you were testing for and how that operated? You have the energy and you're touching another person with energy. So and I they touching Archer. Yeah, you were to- touching him. And on his so, shoulder. It, anywhere. Anywhere. Uh, it didn't matter. Okay, it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. And his energy is transferred to you. Because it's not just the power of, of touch, but I mean, that's part of it. So when I test you, my intent is to test Archer. So I'm testing Archer through you. So you so it also has to do with your intention as well? My intention, right. So my intention would be I'm testing Archer through you and I'm checking your neurological reflex to see if his body is responding like it should. 
So he wouldn't have the ability, being a quadriplegic, to have raised his arm. That's um, right. Or to have gotten a lock or a no lock that just wasn't physiologically possible. So you use me. How did you know or remove me? How did you know it wasn't I, that it was Archer? Again, the intention. So I check you before you were nice and strong with a muscle lock, right? We got the lock and then you touch Archer. And again, I have to, I'm testing him by touching part of his body, like maybe his brain or over his head or his heart or his neck, and then use your arm as an indicator muscle to see if there's strength there. And if it wasn't any strength, it would be because he didn't have the strength in that area. And that means the energy going to that particular area. So you just became the indirect tester. It had nothing to do with you. It had to do with you being a conduit, if you will, (laughs) in the middle. What I remember from that was I just so trusted you and felt like it was one of the most natural things in the world. I didn't understand how it worked. And at the time we were still (laughs) in a pretty good amount of, you know, upside downness. It didn't matter to me that I understood it Mm. because I trusted the practitioner. But I do remember very clearly that through all the years of your taking care of me, I mean, you could whip through all those 20 organs of my body and you know, like 20 seconds, boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. And that Archer had the strongest lock through me, through his brain. And you're like, nope, you know, good, 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 good. But his heart was also weakened. And I I remember that really breaking my heart, Mm -hmm. that he was so strong mentally, but his heart too. We identified that, and that was what you wanted to do, right? Is to identify. And so sometimes you just have to, we found the weakness. And then, you know, after you find it, you need to do something to bring it to strength. That's the whole point. You know, what would bring strength to that area? We didn't even talk about that. But once you find the area that's affected, and then one of the six things that can be affecting it, the barriers to healing then you bring the nutrition in. This is how it, why it's called nutrition response testing. So you bring the nutrition in and that's whole food supplements for the most part to help feed the organ. But you can use herbs to also make a bigger, more impactful, I guess, difference. Homeopathic remedies, really subtle and uh, energetic too in their way and uh, useful in many different ways for many different people. So we have a lot of different things that we can use, essential oils too, ev- anything. But those are the typical things that we use in our practice to help bring strength to an area that was weak before. So the nutrition is the key because most people are deficient in some kind of nutrients. So that was something else that was very new to me as well, that simply because you test one way this week, it can really be very different, you know, a month from now. 
because your mm -hmm. body's healed, you've regenerated, you're in a different environment and you can show up and be very strong, you know, everywhere and be in pretty good shape. But oftentimes the body is, is wanting in, in some area. Depends on when you test somebody, depends on what happened to them the day before. Were they flying on an airplane? Did they drink too much? Did they eat the wrong foods? Did they not sleep? That all affects how you present when you come into the office, into my space things can change. So your nutrition requirements are what they are today, but you're different. Everything's different the following week. It doesn't mean that we give you, you know, necessarily new supplements. It's just, it's a good thing to be aware of. You know, right? I'm wondering about for all of us as humans, how we heal, are there any particular insights that you might share for people who are paralyzed, like quadriplegics? around how they heal or particular patterns of the body, say someone who is a C4 or a C5, a cervical spine, four or five quad, as it relates to your practices and your wisdom. If a person has a spine, there's nerve stimulation going from the spine to the end organs. So we can enhance what we find if there's a deficit there's a deficiency somewhere, you know, we can give neurological support, let's say, because the spine needs to have different things to help it heal. So we can continue to give nutritional support to somebody who has trauma, like you're just mentioning. So it's not a cut and dry thing. Oh, this is what they need forever. We just treat people the same. If you have an indirect tester in this case to test, we can find what the weakness is and what this person specifically needs. It did occur to me from what you had said earlier around scarring that quadriplegics, by virtue of the injury, quadriplegics have major scars in the posteriorly and anteriorly, often both sides of their neck. They've oftentimes, most have been on a ventilator for a period of time. So they've got the big blowhole from a trach also potentially. You know, in Archer's case, his chest is riddled with large scars from chest tubes and different incisions made, trying to really unleak him so his lungs could fill with air and to get out the fluids. Different things that all have been in, put into him from in his abdomen in some place. And I'm just thinking about scarring. And well, cold laser therapy would really help with that. As I'm thinking about what you're saying, I think um, low-level light therapy is really therapeutic for people for healing in many different fashions, many different ways, for trauma, for scars, for pain management. There's just so many different opportunities to use laser to heal a body. Yeah. And I guess for anyone who has anyone. scarring from surgery, and that's different from being exposed in the sun, can the sun provide that same healing? Oh, the sun definitely is therapeutic and very healing, but it's not the same thing because the UV lights have different energy, different healing properties, ultraviolet versus the healing spectrum of light that's in the middle of the range of light wavelengths that heal. So we have x-ray and ultraviolet, and then you have the healing spectrum in the middle. And that's where low-level light 
therapy comes in. I find it really lifts the spirit for sure. And Archer has found that as well, even in the winter. As it- yeah, he'll want to be in front of a window that with a yeah. lot of light, and he'll just close his eyes for hours just to allow the sun to through the window to be on his face. Does work through the window. You still get the heat, right? Yes, he's so looking for the heat because yeah. of autonomic dysreflexia, his body can't mm-hmm. regulate temperature. So he wants to, yeah, warm. Warm is good. <laughs> well, also, you know, he has the environment with you being his mother with so much love and attention and you're just so warm and affectionate. And I think that makes a big difference in the healing too. Thank you. You had someone warm and affectionate in your life too. We, we should thank your husband, Bill, for giving you the <laughs> idea back in Kansas City back in the day, many years ago. To think yeah, about going to that yeah, he's usually right. <laughs> that led to all of these other <laughs> modalities. I thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? What I think I just want to leave people with is not to be afraid of the power that you have within you because God created us. We have the ability to heal and to love. And we just tap into that. It's so powerful. And really to take charge of your own health. If you're listening out there and you're doubting, you know, that, oh, well, I don't know if I can do this. Yes, you can. Take control of your own health and you don't need to depend on someone else to tell you what to do, what to put into your body and how to live. You know, you have the ability, you have the power. It's innate, right? And it comes from God. And listen to your body. Listen. It's like listening to God's instrument. Exactly. Isn't it fascinating to learn more about the healing properties of the body, the wisdom of our bodies, and how the energy of one body can be a conduit for a paralyzed body's health and well-being, including acting as an arm proxy for a quadriplegic, for nutritional response testing. Amazing. From our past trauma healing learnings, teachings of acupuncture, somatic touch, the intentionality of the body practitioner, and today's teachings of chiropractic and body work, and the workarounds for those who are paralyzed, we've covered a lot of ground together. I hope you have a more expanded understanding of these various integrative health approaches that rely on somatic modalities for well-being and trauma healing. Remember to take care of yourself during times of crisis and stress, even if it may be the last thing on your mind. Remember to listen to your body. And if you're not sure how, seek out a body practitioner who can assist you. If you're drained, or not in a good place for yourself. It can be harder to offer support to those around you in their time of need. In a way, self-care is caring for others.
And one of the many ways to do this is by seeing a learned practitioner like Marianne Lay. We thank her for her valuable insights into health, healing, and patient education. And please check out the Blink of an Eye nonprofit for more information on trauma healing and register. You don't want to miss it for the Science of Trauma and Trauma Healing Online Symposium, November the 3rd, 2022 at org. Continuing education credits and continuing medical education credits are available, and students are free. That's www.blinkofaneye.org. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion Blink of an Eye story at Season 3, Episode 13, Going Home, Part 2. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and following. And thank you for letting your friends know about Blink of an Eye podcast. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Subscribe to Blink of an Eye on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com. Blink of an Eye podcast is sponsored by I See That, the integrative center for trauma healing, advocacy, and transformation. A nonprofit created as a national resource to help change the way we respond to spinal cord injury, to include trauma healing approaches for families and medical teams across the U.S. I See That provides a national team of SCI specialized doctors for expert opinions in the first hours of crisis, a multidisciplinary family support and navigation team for SCI families led by SCI families for the first 30 days of crisis, and a national resource library of trauma-informed responses for the first hours and days after injury, specialized for families, friends, and SCI medical staff. I See That also offers a registry of medically unexpected SCI recoveries. I See That will host the inaugural conference, The Science of Trauma, Hope for Trauma Healing, November 3rd, 2022. To donate and find out more, visit www.iseethat.org. That's I, the letter C, 
that.org.